What's up, everybody? We're back again with another episode of Ask Chad Grassy Logic. I'm here today with Brittany Stone of P37. Um, she's joining me today to have a good conversation, tell you guys a little bit about P37, and um, we'll have a couple other conversations for you guys. So, Brittany, thank you for joining me today. Nice to be here. Yeah, nice for you to be here as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we've met before, you know, a couple of times before, and, you know, we kind of tell the same message and everything, so it's really great. Um, I just wanted to, you know, say that beforehand because there's not many people in the industry nationwide that really – tells the same information sometimes and it's kind of frustrating so when you yes. meet other people on the same <laughs> level as that you're like oh thank god <laughs> yeah i think i found you on instagram and yeah. i saw your stories and i was like oh this person is new mexico thank goodness there's another person here so yeah um, i'm always trying to like spread that education and really the science and just be a good steward of this plant so it's nice to find other people who align with you there yeah because there's a lot of bro science out there and you know we're still <laughs> yeah. learning about this plant so i mean i I hate to be rude, you know, and stop us there, but could you um, give the audience a little bit about who you are and everything? Yeah, so my name is Brittany Stone. I've been in New Mexico for a little over a year and a half now. Um, I moved to kind of start something in the recreational market here, and I, I started with Dreams, and now I'm with Prohibition 37, um, and that's been really exciting. I, I really enjoy the New Mexico market, honestly. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma just got a little bit too crazy for me. <laughs> yeah, it's a little wild over yeah. there. <laughs> um, but I really loved it. When I first started in the industry in Oklahoma, it was actually just CBD that was legal. And um, I I was originally, my, my degrees are in political science, pre-law, and philosophy. Mm -hmm. um, when it came time to either choose law school or grad school for philosophy, um, much to my parents' disdain, I chose to go to grad school for philosophy. Um, about, oh, I was, I was about two years into that when I found out what philosophy professors make. And I thought we better find something else. To do. <laughs> um, and so I kind of left grad school with zero plan and ended up like, I knew I really liked philosophy and I liked cannabis and I liked video games. So I wanted to make a career out of one of those three things. Um, so I tried uh, GameStop for a while. Yeah. That was not it. Mm -hmm. Um, I sold life insurance for a weird stretch and ran okay. a, yeah. ran a sales team. Yeah. Um, that was uh, interesting. So. You know, I started to get some retail and some sales team running experience from those things and got a call from somebody and was like, hey, we're going to start a CBD shop. Do you want to run it? And I was like, I don't know what CBD is, but sure. Cool. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was like, is it related to cannabis? Okay. Yeah. Um, so I just really took a deep dive into that. And that was uh, the end of 2017. And uh, then before I knew it, a couple of years later, we had 129 <laughs> CBD stores nationwide and 41 dispensaries in Oklahoma. And so I just kind of got thrust headfirst into the industry. Um, from, from there, I started my own consulting for a bit. My last mm -hmm. name is Stone. So stoned consulting just yeah. kind of came out. Yeah, two and two. I did about a year of that. And it was just, it was fun. And the money was great. But it felt a little unsatisfying. Um, to just hop from company to company, yeah, yeah. I really wanted to have a team to mm -hmm. invest in that makes and, sense. you know, have something that I could watch grow and foster for a long period of time. Yeah, because um, you create that whole thing and then you kind of just you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's how I ended up uh, in New Mexico as I came and I started Dreams with the, the owners and built that out for them. And now I'm with B37. Nice. So you're a transplant, like, you know, some other people in the state, as they like to say. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I think uh, I'm going to stay for a while, though. Nice. New Mexico has really grown on me. Nice. I, I really did not understand the chilies thing when I first got here. Um, big fan of the green chilies now. Awesome. Yeah. Good. Well, which is your favorite, red or green? <laughs> Definitely green. Green? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, the whole red, green at Christmas at restaurants. The first time I got asked that, I was like, 
<laughs> I had to ask the waitress, like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. Can you tell it's it's uh, February. Christmas is over. Yeah, yeah. You're like, uh, I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, um, to be honest, when I was a kid, that wasn't really a question down here in the South. It was more of a Northern thing. Okay. Yeah, because, like, they're different, the South and the North. And so when I heard that the first time, I'm like, that is, I'm from here. <laughs> <laughs> so no, you're not alone in that one. But yeah, well, welcome to the state and everything. And where are you from originally? Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. Yes. So yeah, I got a buddy from Oklahoma City. I went to, I was in the army with. Um, yeah, I went to basic training actually at Fort Sill. So he just took a little short bus, bus ride down the way. So okay. yeah. yeah Fort Sill's, uh, that area is probably not the best representation of Oklahoma around there. No, no, um, I wouldn't say so. Yeah. <laughs> Oklahoma City really has come a long way in the last five years though. That's good. So we're going to, we're going to give Oklahoma City a little credit. Okay, that's they're, cool. They're I've never okay. been to Oklahoma City, so I can't speak for yeah, that one. I do. Well, I'm, I'm clearly living in Albuquerque by choice, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, fair enough. So, well, welcome to New Mexico, and welcome to the show and everything. So thank you for that intro. Um, and like I said before, you know, um, we do tout the same things, and it's it's really great. Well, I want to say everything. You can't. That's almost impossible yeah. uh, for people <laughs> to tout the exact same thing on everything. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of the information that we do tout that, you know, I really respect because, like, there's not many people that know it, and they refuse to learn it. So yeah. like there was a lot of learning that you had to do, you know, especially like just jumping into CBD. Where did you learn yeah. like all of this information? Um, so thanks to my background, you know, I did getting the, the two bachelor's degrees. It, it, it took about six years because I took my time. Thanks, yeah. Dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, having that plus the two years in grad school, it really gave me, you know, a mind for researching how to properly source information. Mm -hmm. um, and so I started just on google scholar and i looked for any peer-reviewed research that i could find there was mm -hmm. not a lot no um you know there have been some good books and resources out there especially by you know people like dr ethan russo or rafael mishulam um anything that you can get a hold of from resources like that is incredibly incredible mm. yeah no definitely <laughs> um and i also you know would just look for podcasts where they were having actual chemists on mm -hmm. and actual doctors to talk about these things. Yeah. Um, and it's just been really amazing over the last six or seven years to watch the information that's easily accessible on the internet grow. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Because, you know, I've, I started in 2010 when I was still in the army and um, I started my research and looking up cause I was a uh, army Intel. I was a human intelligence collector. Um, so I did a lot of analytical stuff. So like you had to do a ton of research and um, I had, more to work with at that time but um yeah i had to do the same thing start from ground up and like there's really not much that you could work off of and there was all this bro science out there on growing because you know i really was yeah. interested in the growing side i've been growing for 10 years and yeah it, it's a battle even today you know like it i'll is. get stupid questions like so how do you turn it purple do you like put like you know purple kool-aid in there or something and i'm like <laughs> what <laughs> no, I do love the purple thing because I, I use it as an example to show, you know, how the environment and genetics mm -hmm. and all kind of play together to express in phenotype. So I, you know, maybe the right underlying curiosity to the question is there. Yeah, no, definitely 100%, but it's really like, wait, what? And so when you, you understand the plant and how, how plants grow and just plants in general, it just doesn't yeah. make any sense. You know, it's like goes back to that whole Gatorade thing and idiocracy, you know, like electrolytes is what plants need. And oh, like, no. I just think of that every time and I'm like, oh, no, that's not how plants work. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And I was kind of curious about that because, you know, myself and I was thinking about that, you know, there's so many people in the industry right now that are um, so ignorant to cannabis and so yeah. ignorant to the way the cannabis industry works and even business. Um, that they're failing or they're doing it wrong and this and that. And I'm like, well, I did my due diligence and learned too. And I was thinking, I was like, well, shit, where did Brittany learn from? You know, like, cause she has probably more information than I do. And, you know, she's 
you know, obviously started with CBD a couple of years ago. And yeah. so, you know, like I always like to ask people, you know, like, well, where did you get your information from when you start? You know, because it could help someone else out, you know, getting started too as well, because not everybody has the research background that you and I have, you know? Yeah, um, it's definitely a lot of getting on Google Scholar and finding articles that I don't truly understand and Googling yeah. every third word until I do. Um, you know, I don't have a, a medical or a science background. I, I have a research background, which is beneficial. But yeah, there's still a lot of a lot of legwork that goes into stuff like that and being able to truly understand not only the the botany of the plant but you know the way that these compounds interact with your body's endocannabinoid system and how different consumption methods can can affect the body differently yeah um yeah it's definitely a lot but just google scholar and finding good credible podcasts that actually have you know guests on that have done their due diligence yeah yeah like scientists like um one scientist i really like and i follow is uh, bruce bugby um, yeah, he, uh, he grows, um, hemp for the federal government in Utah and, uh, he comes out with all kinds of, you know, great breakdown or groundbreaking kind of research stuff when it comes to growing. And so, you know, when I tell people, you know, like, Oh, who do you listen to when it comes to growing? I'm like, well, I just been growing for a while, but when it comes to research, you know, actual scientists, you know, like, yeah. you know, Bruce Bugby, not just, you know, some bro. Now there's certain guys in the grow game who use that science and apply it to the grow. And I like listening to them too, yes. because they have really good information. I'm just learning crop steering. And so like, I'm kind of just getting into that this year and, um, I've been kind of researching it the past couple, but you know, doing it hands-on, um, is totally different, you know, like, and yeah. just like anything. And so, um, I have to go back and listen to these certain things again and be like, am I doing this right? You know, did I do something wrong? And so yeah, growing is an art as much as it is a science. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, definitely. And you know, you, you do feel that you get to learn these little plants and how they each grow. And yeah. Right and now, I've, oh, I've never actually grown commercially. Like really? I've had growers that have worked for me, obviously. Yeah. And you know, I've had some excellent ones, thankfully. But, yeah, I mean, it's crazy how attached you can get to those little plants. Like, I've grown in my house yeah, yeah. Um, in Oklahoma. And, yeah, I mean, you get very attached to, to the plants. And, you know, they you, you start to see how much of an impact what you feed them and the environment, mm -hmm. you know, that you put them in, the way you grow, mm -hmm. you know, your practices really affects the end product. Oh, yeah. The very small things that you do um, and the little details really make a difference in the end the yeah. end product and everything. And last year I was growing in um, a nursery. And so I had like 3000 plants or something like that. And like there's certain ones I knew everything about. I'm like, oh, yeah, you grow funny. I'm like, oh, yeah, careful with that one or, you know, whatever. And so yeah. they become like your babies. It's so weird. And actually one of my buddies, I gave him some clones and he's growing for PMC in Carlsbad. And so he's been growing them out. And so now I'm like, oh, they grew up. <laughs> <laughs> So that's the cool thing. Well, I appreciate you sharing with that. This is something that was just not even on script or anything. It was just great information for other people to have. So I appreciate you sharing it. What would be like, I guess my next question is, what would be some good advice for people just starting out? I mean, I, we get the education part. We got that out the way. What's some other things you can give people starting out? Because I mean, you started almost from ground zero with this. Yeah. So like a, a cannabis user starting out. I'm sorry, in the industry. In, you know, the industry. in the industry. Um, so I would say go to as many cannabis events as you can. Most of them are open to the public. Yeah, um, this industry is still so small. I mean, for how big we feel like we are from yeah, where we yeah. came from. Um, like, you know, get to know people and, you know, find out who aligns with your values, where you can add value in the industry. Yeah. You know, there is... One of the things that I love so much about the cannabis industry is 
there are so many different people from so many different backgrounds doing this. Yeah. And everybody has found a way to take their prior experience in other industries and apply it here. Yeah. Um, because I mean, a lot of the same principles apply. It's very different um, yeah. selling a federally illegal substance and everything that comes with that, yeah. um, along with the psychoactive substance, you know. Um, but yeah, just get to know people, find out where your past experience could help fit into mm -hmm. the industry, you know, and pick up a couple books, listen to a couple good podcasts, and, yeah. you know, really understand the different aspects of the industry from extraction to growing to purchasing to retail, things like that. 100% because, you know, that's, it shows when, you know, a lot of people, especially here in New Mexico, um, don't have that, you know, and you, you go into the shop and you're kind of like, Ooh, this doesn't seem right. You know, like uh, this feels weird. And yeah. so, you know, it, it shows, but yeah, and that's some great information, you know, and some great tips. Um, because if you're just starting out, you know, I've, I've been there before, you don't really know where to start. You know, yeah. you're just kind of like, well, I have this, this desire, but this desire is just that, and I don't know where to start. And so I really appreciate you sharing me with that because or sharing with everyone with that um, because some people just get really overwhelmed with it and then they just stop, you know, yeah. or just they don't want to do it. And who knows? They could have been the next best cannabis business person in the industry. You know, they just got discouraged because of something. Um, so what are some tools that you've used learning other than like you said Google Scholar? And I wanted to tell everybody about Google Scholar. What Google Scholar is, is their version of like official um like studies and stuff like that. So it's like scientific. So it's not just a Google search. Like a Google search will just land you articles sometimes. Maybe every now and then if you get lucky, you'll find a real actual research paper. But these are like legitimate research papers. Um, and so are, do they have the ones that haven't been um, like uh, peer reviewed or anything like that? Yeah, so you do have to be careful and like you want to look for peer reviewed studies, but also mm -hmm. this is cannabis and we're so new into the research that I mean, even a lot of questions that I have, I, I can't find definitive answers to. Yeah. So I'm so excited to work for an actual physician who I can bug with all of my questions. Yeah, yeah, and they can just answer because I, I didn't, yeah. we'll get more on him because I didn't meet him in Sunland Park and he had a really good information for the city council down there and I was blown away. I was like, oh, you're the most informative guy probably in the industry. Yes. <laughs> so um, it's really relieving to see that and everything. Uh, where do you see New Mexico or where do you hope to see New Mexico going in the next few years? Because I know you said that, you know, you plan to stay here for a little bit. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, we'll also be P37 is now an MSO and operating oh. in Illinois. So, okay. you know, I do hope to be dedicating a lot of my time there. As Congrats. Well. But yeah. I'm thinking, you know, maybe summers in Illinois and uh, <laughs> winters in New Mexico might yeah. be the ideal. Um but, uh, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> oh, well, thank you for sharing that, by the way. That's actually good to know. And, you know, um, congratulations. Yeah, oh, with the New Mexico industry. Yeah, is where do you going. think it's headed? Um, so I, I see a lot of the same problems that I saw in Oklahoma, mm -hmm. unfortunately, um, with the whole race to the bottom on pricing. Yeah. And, you know, it is a bit oversaturated. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I hope to see the growers and the manufacturers and the dispensaries in New Mexico start to kind of hold a, a hard line on like, hey, if prices can't fall so low that, you know, we're trying to sell quality pounds for, you know, less than it takes to produce them because yeah. there is a cutoff there. It mm -hmm. does take so much to grow a quality pound of cannabis and the flowers where everything in this industry starts. Yeah. Um, and so really, you know, I hope that we can kind of collectively stop this whole just cutting each other down on price because at the end of the day, not only do the businesses lose, and we're already at a huge disadvantage with things like 280E mm -hmm. and just, you know, all of the banking regulations, 
but you know the consumer loses because yeah. eventually businesses will start cutting corners and then those that are starting to cut corners and maybe not do things with the highest amount of integrity when it comes to the plant are going to be the winners because their bottom line is is easier you know 100 and you know we're seeing that like right now real time in california the people that are struggling with the 280 and only 30 percent of the cities can sell cannabis to start out there so that's where they messed up to start with um but you know their taxes are so ridiculous in california the only way yeah. they can make it is being on the traditional market really as well, you know, doing both. And, you know, the 280E just kills everybody to start out with, you know, because yeah. that tax is just ridiculous. It's pretty much an extortion tax. Um, so we don't get messed with by the federal government. But yeah. I, um, I definitely think the banking laws and everything are, are predatory. No, 100%. Yeah. You know, and like for it's kind of weird because they're doing what they do with other illegal entities that they work with, but they're just telling you, like, oh, we're just going to charge you more because it's illegal. Yeah. Instead of like, you know, oh, we just have to charge you more. Why? We just have to charge you more. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of like, you know, being under the table, they just blatantly tell you it's illegal. So, you know, yeah. this is your, your charge. And that's what sucks. And I hope that changes. And I, while you're here, how do you feel about the HHS coming out with, you know, the schedule three changes from one to three? So, I mean, I, I think a, a reschedule is the next best thing to a deschedule. But yeah. I mean, it, it definitely makes more sense what they're asking for than what we currently have now. Mm -hmm. um, and to my understanding, that would pretty much abolish the 280 thing. So, yeah. yeah um, now, the stuff that that plays with interstate commerce, I'm not exactly sure how, how that would be affected. But I mean, even just the, the dropping of this whole 280 and, you know, safe banking, something along those lines would be a huge benefit because right now in cannabis, uh, if you're surviving, you're thriving. And if you're thriving, you're God tier because yeah. it is, they've made it with all of the banking regulations and the tax regulations on top of just an incredibly saturated and competitive market. Yeah. Um, they've made it really hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they have. And it's a harder industry than I think than most other industries that there are out there. Yes. Um, and the closure rate for retail establishments are pretty high. I think they're along the same lines of restaurants. You know, like opening yeah. and closing. So, I mean, if you're out there, if you if, it if you see a bunch closing down, it's probably good for our market. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we're so overly saturated. Unfortunately, to say that, um, but that I think was the idea when we first went into this was allow everybody to go in. Everyone has a low whatever bar to get in. But um, what ended up happening is oversaturation because we weren't ready. And this is something that I touted before we even went legalization. I said we're not ready for legalization. I hope you guys yeah. know that. We are not ready for this. We don't have enough growers. We don't have enough retail establishments because at the time we had 30, 34, I think, you know, like yeah. companies. And so now there's a dispensary for every 1,200 adults over 21 in the state of New Mexico. That is an interesting stat. Yeah. I, I just did that math yesterday because I was, I was on the in New Mexico regulation license yeah. department website, like just kind of looking at the market overall. I appreciate that they put all the sales data on no, there and too, everything yeah. full transparency. Um, and yeah, I just kind of quickly, like I Googled, you know, the population of New Mexico over 21 and then looked at how many dispensaries and I was like, wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. And we do see it kind of slowly going down. Like the number kind of has stayed the same like the past couple of months, but I think it is the ones that are shutting down or being replaced by the ones that are opening. And yeah. so it's kind of like <laughs> this, you know, thing for now. And until we hit that real drop, which I don't see happening for another few months. Um, but if they do reschedule this year, I see it happening quicker um, because there's going to be federal re regulations that people just won't be able to afford to get on par with, Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. And that's going to be the case. Either we go schedule three or deschedule. You know, there's going to be those regulations that we have to go by. And I think a lot of people aren't really realizing that, too. 
you know, there's a lot more that's going to go into this than just like, oh, it's descheduled. We're good now. It's like, yeah, no. and it's, it's definitely <laughs> going to take a couple of years probably before we see any real benefit or effect from this. So. Yeah. And we're not even going to be a stable market. It takes about five years for a market to just get stabilized. And we're not, we're going towards year two, you know, of our industry. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. And um, I just realized we did get off topic for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they're just really great conversations and everything. So I guess I'll redirect this back. And um, thank you so much for this information and everything and about you. Um, we need to talk about P37 now. Yes. Uh, yeah. But I could talk about this stuff all day. And I figured this is going to happen with us because I was like, you get two people with this, you know, similar information and, you know, they'll keep going. So <laughs> um, what can you tell me about P37? Like, you know, a little history about it that, you know, I know you've only been with them for a little bit. You yeah. Know, it's so only it's been fair. like a couple of weeks. So yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I I did, you know, I, I did vet them very, very uh, thoroughly before I signed on. And they also seem to really echo the values that I hold in the industry. Um, the the quality of their grows and the love that they put into the plants uh, mm -hmm. is is definitely impressive. They they really care about what they're putting out They're If something is not up to their standards, they're going to say, no, that will never get to the retail shelves. Um, so that's one thing that I really appreciate. I was a fan of their flower before I worked there. <laughs> <laughs> so if I won't smoke it, I won't sell it. Yeah. But, um, you know, they they really have, like I said, they're doctor led. Um, Lee is a physician and he really believes in the medicine. And that was another thing that was really attractive to me. Yeah. Um, you know, he's also very concerned about the social equity aspect of this. Like. Um, I, I would like to see us get involved with things like the Last Prisoner Project. I think that really holds true to P37's values, and mm -hmm. that's a, an organization that I'm a big fan of. Cool. Um, yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are still, you know, paying for cannabis crimes that, you know, while we're out here making a living off of it, it just really doesn't seem fair. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard it many times. You know, you got the Brads and Chads um, yeah. out there, you know, just jumping into this while people that are in prison or have been for a long time are just sitting there rotting away, essentially. And, you know, it's it's really sad. But at the same time, at least New Mexico, we took a step in the right direction with our expungement, you know, yes. clause, even though, don't get me wrong, it's very flawed. It was um, a step. Yes. Yeah, it's a right. It's a step in the right direction. Just like any law, it needs to be updated and fixed because there's yeah. stuff that we just didn't think about at the time, you know, just like any law, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the fact that they, they really care about, you know, the medicine and how we're presenting ourselves and that we are not only being good stewards of the plant, but, you know, being good to the community that helped us get here. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the legacy market really paved the way for us. Mm -hmm. 100%. You know, and we owe a lot to the legacy market and the people from it. I mean, even if you disagree with the way they grow or did business, I mean, these were yeah. the people who started this, you know, like in kind yeah. of groundbreaking kind of thing. I mean, that's where home grows started was because cannabis was illegal. You know, yes. we, we wouldn't have as advanced indoor grow stuff as we do now. If it wasn't even for that in the first place, it could have all been outdoor greenhouse for all I know. Um, so th that's something that we do owe a lot to is those people in the past, especially the ones that their lives were taken, you know, um, through this, you know, either through law enforcement, they can shot for whatever reason, or, you know, through bad deals or whatever. Yeah. Unfortunately, those people aren't with us anymore and they can't benefit from this, but you know, we do owe them a lot and it's history. You know, that's, it was a lot yeah. of history into that. And, you know, I know people personally that have been affected by it and, you know, maybe one day they'll be able to tell their story and, you know, it'd be on TV or in a book. So, <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. About the grow, um, you did mention before the show that you guys have 
all three. You have outdoor, indoor, and a greenhouse. That is yeah. amazing. Have you been able to see any of them? Or Yes, know? actually. Yeah. Um, I've been able to see all of them. It was oh, one cool. of the first things I did. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, and all of them are equally impressive. I, I think that in the industry, there is a lot of um, almost a negative connotation towards outdoor flower, mm -hmm. which I absolutely don't understand. Mm -hmm. Done well outdoor flower can be terrific. You're mm -hmm. never going to be able to re replicate the sun. And even if we could, it would be so expensive. Why would it be the sun's right there? Yeah. Um, 100%. So, yeah, I mean, the same with greenhouse and, and light depth. You know, they each, each type of grow has its own benefits. Mm -hmm. And I think that there are people who like all types of cannabis, outdoor, greenhouse, indoor. Mm -hmm. um, and so having that type of variety is great yeah um, you know definitely. we definitely don't want to push the narrative that only these very beautiful chunky buds with a high thc content is the only flower that is worthy right um, they don't even taste good yeah. <laughs> yeah um you know there's there's all types of flower and i think that we need to prize the genetic diversity in plants especially that comes from outdoor and you know we need to look at you know CBD, CBD flower, mm -hmm. uh, just as valuable as a 30% THC flower because yeah. there is somebody out there who could use all types of flower. And we just haven't, we're, we're so focused on potency in most places that we're really closing off a huge portion of the population that might be open to cannabis use. 100%. If we had something that maybe wasn't 30% THC is the prize. Yeah, yeah, maybe 15%, you know, THC with, you know, two and a half to 3%, you know, um, terps. You know something on that that's something i go for you yeah. know if i see something with two to three percent terpenes i'm buying it i don't really care what the, the thc levels are on it yeah you know? and <clears throat> people equate that like stonier feeling to that high thc and really i mean in my personal experience i have just as much of that euphoria feeling on a cultivar that has you know 17 percent thc and uh you know two percent terpenes mm -hmm. that that does it that does it for me you yeah know? me too uh, yeah. just as much as a 30 percent thc yeah. and i'm gonna keep coming back because it tastes so good yes you know and like i know when it's good when i subconsciously stop and go mm. and then yeah. i have to stop myself i'm like oh that must be good weed <laughs> yeah i wish more people would experiment with different types and like i i'm a big fan of keeping a dosage journal oh cool. um you know it because our own endocannabinoid system is constantly fluctuating. Mm -hmm. And so the way one cultivar hits you one day, it might not hit you the same the next day. You know, there's so many different factors to how these are interacting with our bodies and the feelings that we're getting, you know, jot down like, hey, this cultivar that I smoked had this percent of myrcene in it and it mm -hmm. really put me to sleep. Yeah. Like, you know, those types of things matter, like keeping track of it for yourself. It's not like a a pharmaceutical where you take 800 milligrams of ibuprofen and you're good. Pretty much everybody will feel yeah, the same, same on 800 thing, milligrams yeah, of ibuprofen. Lines, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, because cannabis has so much of that variability from person to person and how these terpenes are going to interact with our system, how these cannabinoids are going to interact with our system. Uh, it's just a good idea to keep track for yourself what works for you and what doesn't. Yeah. And we were talking before, you know, there's just so much, many variances in between, you know, even the same cultivar can come from the same or different breeders and it's something totally different in the phenotype. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've all ran into that. And one reason for that is because our genetics in cannabis are like 60 years behind regular agriculture, you know, genetics. Yeah. It's There's crazy. There's been zero genetic accountability yeah. in cannabis. Like, you know, up until recently, you got a seed, you grew it in your closet, you didn't yeah. say anything. Good. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're good. Yeah. yeah grew it. Pop. Yeah. I'm fine. Um, you know, there was no genetic testing and yeah. really a, a good track of genetic lineage. That's why everything's a hybrid now. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no really like, you know, in the United States land race or, you know, like a pure indica or sativa and that doesn't really yeah. even exist um, yeah. at this point. And so even I try to just like you, you know, when someone says, oh, is it indica sativa? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I just tell them, yeah, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It makes me feel like it would be a indica feeling, but you know, that's more or less probably the terpenes um, giving me that feeling versus, you know, the indica or sativa um, side of it. And I think for a long time, it was just a misconception because we didn't know much about the plant. We're still learning so much, you know, we're, yeah. we're learning how these terpenes affect us still, you know, to this day, like even as we speak, you know, there's research going on with that probably in Israel. Um, but it, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're leading it. Um, so yeah, that's one thing that I'm really curious to see is like, oh, wow, we were wrong this whole time on this indica sativa thing. Yeah. You know, maybe it was the same, you know, from a plant, they just grew differently, but it was the terpene profiles or the other compounds inside of it that really made the difference. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's that was like a mind blowing moment for me though, because I mean, I also sativa and indica sativa meant uplifting Indica yeah. was relaxing and I couldn't make sense of it for myself based on my just own personal effects. When I would smoke something that somebody was like, this is an indica. And I'm like, yeah. well, it doesn't say it. like, it doesn't feel like you say it's supposed yeah. to feel yeah. why. Um, and yeah, I think the, probably the best theory of where those associations came from, I got in a conversation I was having with an anthropologist oh. and he was telling me, he equated it to kind of like, he was like, you know how, you know, back in the day they would look at a walnut and they'd be like, that looks like a brain. It's gotta be good for your brain. Uh, um, he was like, I think that maybe this whole like indica sativa thing came from, you know, indica as a phenotype does grow shorter to the ground, like kind of bushy, it looks a little sleepy, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, a sativa is much more uplifting, you know? So that, I, th I feel like that was a solid theory because there's not really any solid science on where we started associating those things. Yeah. Um, some people say maybe back in the day, yes, with the, the actual land races before we got a hold of them, it just started interbreeding and cause, you know, what we have now. Yeah. And a bunch of inbreeding. As yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, then maybe, maybe they did have, you know, separate types of terpene profiles that were more dominant, but um, nowadays that's not something that you should shop for. Um, no, I agree. It, yeah. and, and that's something that P37 really, you know, um, prides himself on, right? Is we're not going to sit here and tell you it's the Indica Sativa thing. Cause usually it's just some dude in the back named Steve smoking it and telling you what it made him feel. And that's what the most dank. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is dank, bro. It made me feel like Sativa. Okay. Okay. And so they, they put that yeah. down. That's normally what happens these yeah. days. Um, so I wouldn't go off of that. Just go off of what works for you. Um, and not just what says on a, on a package. Cause who knows that blue dream you got may not be real blue dream or it may not be the same blue dream that you had from that shop downtown you know or somewhere else so yeah it just goes mind. back to the genetic accountability mm -hmm. of the plant you know um these cultivar names uh there's no there's no regulation on yeah. what you can call blue dream and yeah. what you can't call blue dream yeah um so yeah i mean unless you're getting a, a cultivar consistently from the same grower who is using the same genetics there's really not a whole lot of consistency that you can count on if you're shopping just on cultivar name. hundred percent, you know, and I like to tell people this, you know, the problem we have is when you go to pick a Coca-Cola, it tastes the same, whether I'm in New Mexico or New York, you know, yeah. like that should be the same with the cannabis industry. And we're just not there, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, okay, Mexico people say it tastes different, you know, or better, <laughs> but you know, here in the United States, for the most part, you're going to taste Coke that tastes the same everywhere you mm -hmm. go maybe slight variations, but for the most part, same recipe and everything. And, you know, yeah. maybe one day the cannabis industry will be there, but we're just not there yet. So just keep that in mind. You know, the blue dream that you see today will not be the same blue dream you see tomorrow. 
you know, and that's more than likely going to be the case for most things here in the state or in the nation, to be honest, um, until things kind of level out and we start to get a little more accountability on our genetics, like you keep saying. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's and, something important. You know, a more emphasis on terpene and terpene testing. Yes. Um, I think one of the only things that I will say that Oklahoma did correctly over New Mexico is mandated terpene testing. Oh, I didn't um, know they did that. That's yeah. Cool. And so that was one of the things that note. early early attracted me to prohibition 37 was because when i was just buying flour from them they were a vendor that i worked with they were one of the first ones who terpene tested everything i didn't even have to ask um a lot of the other flour vendors that i've worked with in the state it was something that i almost had to demand um and i'm like it's like 30 bucks guys come on yeah and i appreciate (laughs) that because you go to places like oh we just have thc and so i will ask them can i see the testing results because a lot of the times if you i know real grand analytics because it used to be down here they normally have the terpene you know test on there with it Um, I'll ask them for the testing results and some of them get kind of weird. Like, why do you want to see our testing results? I'm like, because you should have it. That should be, <laughs> yeah, that should yeah. be a common question yeah. that everybody asks your butt tender. Who, who grew my flower? Yeah. Um, and can I see SEOA? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if you aren't able to provide that, you might be doing something illegal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's just straight non-compliant. No, yeah. terpene testing is not, but really if you want to, I mean, grows are going to have to really start branding and marketing themselves just like a dispensary. And they need to be a little more transparent. A lot of these guys are still in the black market mindset where, oh, we can't let anybody know anything. It's like, oh, tough, tough titties, guys. You're in the legal market now. You got to be a little more transparent. (laughs) Yeah. And transparency is always good. Like I was having a conversation with somebody not too long ago about um, their Robin production and they kept telling me like, oh, it's proprietary. I'm like, man, it's heat and pressure. Like it's, (laughs) come on. Yeah. your amount of heat and your amount of pressure is not proprietary. There's somebody else out there doing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The range is only so big. Yeah, exactly. There's only so much you can do. So yeah, yeah. then I, I've, I've had people, you know, like the, the fuck your secret sauce kind of thing yeah. um, in that sense. And, you know, I agree to, to a certain extent with certain things like, you know, I'm, I will share my knowledge, but I won't always share like my genetics maybe, you know, with some, yeah. someone, yeah, something like that. Or, you know, I will tell them what company I'm using, but I won't maybe tell them exactly what I'm doing for the simple fact that, and it's not even for like a fuck your secret sauce thing. It's for the fact that what I'm doing in my plant and my grow will not be the same with your plants and your grow, you know, yeah, and absolutely. your cultivars, even in a singular grow, one cultivar is going to be different from another cultivar and what you give it, what, how you treat it. I mean, the plants vary so much that I wouldn't want to tell you I'm doing this. And when it doesn't work for you, you come back pissed at me and I'm like, yeah. well, it worked for me, you know, and you're wondering why. So that, that's the reason why I do that. But we, we keep getting on some really good conversations and, you know, they, they do base around P37. But we keep like, ah, it's, <laughs> I love it. But I'm like, I want to keep you on, on time and everything. So um, we'll talk a little more about P37 and everything. So um, I did meet one of the owners in the past um, mm-hmm. over in Sunland Park. Really nice guy. Uh, what was his name again? I only met him one time. Uh, so Lee Caperton, yes. is, he is the physician owner. Mm-hmm. And then there is Devin, who is uh, owner CFO. Cool. And yeah, they're, they're definitely a dynamic duo. I'm very happy to work with the two of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was really cool that, you know, it was relieving, I guess, to have somebody so knowledgeable and someone who is a literal physician who can give his point of view yes. and his two cents. Like I've had you know, nurses on before and I've had, you know, lawyers on, you know, to kind of give their two cents on everything. But, you know, to have, you know, a physician in the industry like that as, you know, an, a business owner in that sense is, is really um, leaving. He was a really funny guy too, you know, bust us pretty good jokes <laughs> um, and, you know, kept us laughing. So it's good to see that, you know, they're, they're getting involved and I keep calling it P37 just because it's easier, but it is Prohibition 37. And the reason why is Prohibition really started in 1937. And yeah. that's the reason why. That's what he told me anyway, Lee back in the days, the yes. reason why they named it that. 
Um, but I wanted to give you a chance to say your spill. I just, I remember that at the top of my head. I was like, oh yeah, he told us why it was called that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of people uh, wonder, but yeah, it was the Prohibition Act of 1937 that yeah. really kind of started this whole war on drugs, even mm -hmm. before there was a war on drugs. Yeah. Um, you know, kudos to drugs for winning the war on drugs. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love that meme, by the way. <laughs> I know. <laughs> one of my favorites. I'm like, that is perfect. Um, the Muppet it, one? Yeah, yeah, the Muppet's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's funnier with a Muppet. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah like the like, I can't count past four one. That yeah. one's pretty fun, the Disturbed song. Um, um, but yeah, I, so he really, I, it goes back to that kind of social equity part of Prohibition 37. And, you know, we are a very science-focused company, but social equity is also a pillar that we stand on. And everything that has happened since 1937 surrounding cannabis has things that we need to correct. Yeah, hundred percent. And, you know, here in the borderland, you know, we were directly a part of that because El Paso was one of the first um, or the first city to make cannabis illegal in the nation. Wow, um, so okay, prohibition literally started here in the borderland um, and then it kind of spread out throughout the whole nation. Um, and the word marijuana kind of was coined in the area too, due to a situation between like a Mexican guy and a white cowboy dude. And they got into it. Cowboy guy happened to be drunk, Mexican guy happened to be smoking weed, and then it turned into a whole debacle thing. But the guy did kind of go into the streets and was kind of acting crazy, but I think he was just having some kind of episode or something. Who knows? But they blamed weed, and that's where it came from, um, that whole thing. So, oh, the crazy marijuana. Anyway, get off the <laughs> I wanted to say this real quick. For my vets, if this sounds familiar, P37, that's because it does P38, the number above it. That's the can opener we all know in the military. Um, during World War II, the P38 was a can opener. For your rations. Okay, so I learned something new today. Yeah, yeah, you learned something new. So <laughs> I always thought, I always remembered this because of that. Um, and it's just one number down. So if it does well, sound now familiar, I'm think about that. yeah, now you're <laughs> like, a, it's a can opener. <laughs> yeah, and P37 is is a pistol. Um, and there is a couple other military stuff that goes with it. But this does have to do with Prohibition 37. I just yeah. wanted to throw that tidbit out there for my vets that are probably like, that sounds familiar. <laughs> so, but. Thank you for sharing that with me. Is there anything that, you know, P37 is involved in with like local communities um, and like the communities that they do serve? So, you know, I, honestly, I probably couldn't talk to the specifics. Like I said, I've only- Oh, there. my bad, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I do know that we are actively making an effort to get involved in things right now. And I know that they've definitely done stuff in the past, like food drives, back to school drives, mm -hmm. you know, things like that for school supplies for kids and, you know, um, all those different things, but yeah, that is something that now that we're growing, um, P37 actually acquired Red Barn Growers and okay. almost tripled in size overnight. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're really kind of making an effort to, now that we're, we're bigger and we've got a little bit more bandwidth to get out there and really start to make an impact more. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Cause you know, a lot of people, they just think that you set up shop and then that's it, you know, but there's a whole community that's, you know, based around you and that you're a part of. Yeah. So, you know, and I mean, if you don't support your community, they're not going to support you. hundred percent, you know, cause you need this, the community just as much as they need you yeah. or, you know, you're providing a service towards them to them, but yeah, that's great. Or any events or anything planned for the future that you guys have? Yeah. So I know that in Albuquerque, I believe it is. And I left this here so I could look up the specifics and, and not fumble it. Um, <laughs> we'll let you pull those up. Yeah. It's going to be, um, a dinner. Ooh, and I think you mentioned that it's a five-course meal dinner. Yes, yes, so the Silk Cannabis Infused Dinner is September 24th um, at 7 to 11 p.m. And you can go to our Instagram and purchase tickets for that with a link in our bio. Awesome. And yeah, it's going to be a five-course cannabis-infused dinner infused with P37 flour. So I'm very excited about that. 
nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that too. I mean, I'm great to see, I'm happy to see that more people are doing like these infused dinners and really taking advantage of the whole industries program and the law, you know, like what yes. we allow, because not many places allow you to do this, you know, like we, not many places yeah. even have consumption lounges. Um, you know, that's, yeah. that's one thing that I've noticed. I mean, even Vegas is just now. Yeah. Getting, barely been, getting right, on it. Yeah. yeah. And New Mexico's are like, all right, we're done. We got this. Yeah. I was like, we've been here for a hot minute. I don't know what you guys are doing. <laughs> and, um, yeah, uh, they were like my baby when I worked on some, uh, committee thing back in the day, um, some task force that we had through the governor. And so it's really cool to see that what I worked on is getting implemented in such a way. I'm like, oh, that's so great. You know, because we should be able to go somewhere and, you know, consume cannabis in whatever way we want. You know what I mean? Yeah. In a social environment. And like, I'm not downing alcohol or anything, yeah. but given the option, like I'm going to want to go to a cannabis infused dinner and like get a little stony and enjoy it and then wake up the next morning and not feel like crap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can go to work and still yeah. function and feel great. Um, and, you know, so I think that it's kind of important for our society. I think cannabis overall is healthier than alcohol mm -hmm. um, as, as a recreational use. And so the more we open these consumption lounges, and these infused dinners, and we can kind of start to build around the social aspect of cannabis and build that community. Like it's totally cool to go to a consumption lounge instead of a bar now. Like, oh, hundred percent. I love that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and like, you know, I say that all the time, you guys want a consumption lounge? Like, oh yeah, God. Cause you know, the yeah. only option really is like, you know, bars. I, I really hope someone starts doing karaoke for, at, a, at a consumption lounge because the only place we can go to is a bar. <laughs> I, I want video game tournaments. Oh, Give me a Mortal Kombat tournament at a consumption lounge one, and I'm there. 10. Ooh, okay, okay. <laughs> that is a good one. I have ten. <laughs> Old school Mortal Kombat kids here. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's great that you guys are doing that. You know, and the whole dinner thing—that's so awesome. Like I said, um, is there anything else that you guys have planned going on, or anything that you want to say before we move on? Um, so we do have a location opening here pretty soon in Sunland Ooh. Park, which okay. I'm very excited about. It's probably why you met Lee there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was last year, <laughs> so I'm sure yeah. it's been in the works for a minute. Yes, it is going to be a beautiful store. They've been working on the build out for a while. Um, go go check it out when we're open. Nice. And do you know happen to know where in Sunland Park it's going to be? Like the little main area where they all are? Or? I do not actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll figure that out here soon. Um, so people can you know keep track and you know maybe follow you guys. What's your uh, social media? Do you happen to know what the Instagram is? Yes, I do. Um, much like every other company, we got shut down and had to restart. <laughs> and, um, yep. So it is p37.nm. P37.nm, no yes. underscores. So look that up on Instagram. Give them a follow if you guys are curious or whatever. Um, you want to see whatever events they have going on, you know. Some or, beautiful grow photos. I um, was just going to yeah. say that. Yeah, yeah, I looked earlier and there's some beautiful grow photos. Um, I love looking at, you know, weed porn. Um, that's a, yes, that's exactly what yeah. our Instagram is. Yeah. Shout out Robert for his awesome photography skills. Oh, shout out <laughs> to him. Yeah, they are gorgeous pictures. Though. So thank you again for joining me today and you know sharing more about you, uh, UNM. That's the next topic about <laughs> P37 um, and yourself and everything. I know we got a little off topic on certain things, but I kind of feel like they were really important topics to kind of bring yeah. up and you know to just kind of put out there. So thank you again. And thank you for P37 and for letting you come down here and have this conversation with me. Well, thank you for having me. Of course. Awesome. So we're going to continue the conversation, though, um, of a couple of other topics. And I'm sure we'll probably get off topic again on some other things that we'll <laughs> talk about. So it looks like UNM is introducing a cannabis program um, for education. So that's cool. Yes, you know, I'm, I'm glad that more universities are kind of taking that and doing it. Um, what scares me is that rule that the state is trying to implement is where, where it's forcing it. So now what I'm afraid of is, are these places doing it right, have the right information? That's what always scares me. It's like, are these yeah. places touting the right information or is it something old? 
Um, so that's always my concern, but that's just a concern with anything education when it comes to cannabis. Um, but I do like the fact that they are working and partnering with other people because they're partnering with someone called Green Flower. I guess okay. they Not have, familiar. yeah, I wasn't either until, you know, I was researching this and everything, but they have partnerships with LSU, Syracuse and Louisiana state. Um, they're in 16 states with 19 different universities at the moment. I had no clue. Um, this is kind of like flying under the radar is what I'm feeling. Um, and so they're really trying to help people with um, the business part, business management, um, the medical Great. use part, um, compliance. That seems to be a huge issue here in New Mexico. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, I mean, if you read through the laws, like I have a pre-law degree and sometimes even I'm like, what do they mean? <laughs> um, and you got to read it a couple of times. Yeah. Like having somebody just pick that up and try to understand and not only understand, but operate a business on the principles in there is difficult. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. It is. And you know, even sometimes when you try to explain it to them, they still just don't get it. Cause I've tried. You know, yeah. there's certain people that just a lot of compliance make consultants make a living for that reason. That makes sense. <laughs> so. Maybe I should do that. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, you know, compliance is, is a huge issue here. And I, I feel like, you know, it's just lack of education when it comes to that. Now, yeah. I'm not saying people don't know how to run a business, but they might not know how to run a cannabis business. You know, they're, they're kind yes. of different, similar, but different. You know, like if you're going to be selling, let's say ice cream and you want to go to sell cannabis, they're two different things. You yeah. know, like, you know, when you're selling them, you're going from selling a food item to a retail item, you know, like it's, it's two different things. So there's certain things that you have to yeah. kind of figure out, which I and like. Cannabis this. has that weird, like perishable item plus federally illegal item yeah. plus retail item, like thing it's got going on. So yeah, yeah, it's unlike any other industry for sure. It is. And we're still molding it. We're still figuring out how to regulate this, you know, yeah. cause no one's done it correctly yet. And we're still so tiny, like an example that I like to think of when I'm thinking about like how small our industry is, because it does sometimes feel really big. I mm -hmm. mean, even from just 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, but like CO2 machines, like what they use to extract like for coffee to make decaffeinated coffee, like those, the scale of those machines versus like the scale of a CO2 cannabis extraction machine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, tiny. Yeah. And eventually we are, I think, going to get to, to the same level where using these CO2 machines that take up an entire room. Yeah. Um, we're just, we're going to continue to grow so much. <laughs> no, hundred percent. And I already see some of these, you know, whole room extraction things kind of coming up, yeah. you know, on the ups. So yeah, I mean, and I, I say this, you know, legalization helps with innovation, you know, like, and that's kind of been true this whole time. When we cut down on legalization or we kind of pull back a little bit, we cut down on the innovation side too as well. Yeah. So, you know, that I'm, I'm glad to see that that's happening. And this whole education part, you know, it's, it's really important. Um, do I feel like, should it be forced? No, not until we get more standardization when it comes to education and the information that's put out yeah. because, you know, one um, education per place could be different from the other. And that's what worries me, you know, like, you know, like yeah. if we're going to do this, let's do it right. You know, if we're going to have education, let's make sure that the information that we have is accurate, you know, yeah. and that's for to the everybody. best of our knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Point, accurate. accurate at the time. Um, I, yeah. yeah. I have a feeling that 10, 15, 20 years from now, we're going to look back and be like, well, that was wrong. Yeah. Well, that was <laughs> stupid. <laughs> yeah. You know, we just like, they're just now opening up and I think, you know, rescheduling will also open up. Mm -hmm. I whole like area of research that we've not been able to see before with cannabis so it does it is scary to mandate certain education programs and certain ways of thinking because we don't want to be dogmatic at this yeah. point in the industry we really want to leave ourselves open to new research and you know pushing for more research yeah 100 you know because we've researched alcohol and tobacco enough to know 
what they do, their effects, et cetera. We're not there yet with cannabis, you know, like we have yeah. these ideas and we've had these, you know, oh, it's safe, whatever, for all these years, but there's no solid evidence for it yet, you know, to say like, yeah. these are the solid studies that have been peer reviewed, this and this and that, you know, we have some from the past, don't get me wrong, but things yeah. change, you know, Yeah, and things time. are really looking good for us. Yeah, so they far. are. Yeah. <laughs> so far, it's like only looking bad if you're under 25. Yeah. So, um, you, know. <laughs> you know, and it's just, we, we don't even know that much about our own endocannabinoid yeah. system. You we know, just found a new organ under our skin, what, two years, three years ago? And yeah. like what we don't know is insane. Yeah, 100%. And you know, I always say that the unknown variables always kick you in the ass in the end, and you just don't know about them, so they just happen. Yeah. <laughs> As a philosophy background, I, I, I'm with Socrates. The only thing I know is that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, 100%. Because, yeah, you, you just only know so much, and then what you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you and know? if you, you know, kind of mandate these certain education things that even, you know, until we're very sure, that's just repeating bad information and yes. people need to be open to yes. new information in and, this industry. And that is my fear. My biggest fear is that, you know, one school is going to tell the dude to use grape Kool-Aid to put in his plants. The other one's going to be like, what the hell? <laughs> you know? So, and that's going to happen. You know, we're going to have some old information from one place or incorrect one and then better information at another. And until we get on a more standardization level, I see something like this kind of being good in practice and, and, you know, I see it being in the right direction, but I don't think we're in the right place right now, um, scientifically to, to really implement this fully. Um, yeah, maybe maybe not on the scientific side. On the business side, I definitely yes. believe there needs to be some sort of mandatory education. Like there are people that are putting in their entire life savings to open a dispensary and they really need to truly understand what they're coming up against because this is a rough industry to start in. hundred percent. And last year I was on a different podcast and we touted that. Do not do that. Do not put yeah. your life savings toward this, guys. If you don't have the money, don't do it right now. And, and to be honest, it may have been a better idea for those people who didn't to wait. You know, because yeah. right now we have people who are closing down, they're selling their businesses for really cheap, and they could have used that money to go and key turn business kind of stuff, you yeah. know, and they could have killed it. So, um, again, if I will say it again, if you don't have the money, don't use your life savings on this. Don't bet the house. You know, this is a risk. You know, yeah. this isn't guaranteed. And it's um, more of a risk than other industries because yeah. you don't have the sort of bankruptcy protection and mm -hmm. things like that that you would in other not so federally illegal industries. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Because, you know, if you go bankrupt, you're, you're kind of screwed on your own. You have to figure yeah. that out. You know, you can't even claim, you know, tax credits for like buying pens for your office, you know. So think about that at the end of the day. So if you are going to get into this, do it right. The, the licenses are still open. It's only yes. been a year. You know, we're going to be here. 20 years cannabis from is not going anywhere. yeah it's not going anywhere <laughs> don't rush you know just save up and then do it right yeah. is, is my advice on that so um that, that's pretty much what i wanted to talk about on the education piece do you have anything else before we like we move on from that no no cool yes because i mean it was really short and sweet it's just you know UNM's working with this company who's a education thing and they're working together to help people so oh one thing i did want to mention on that they are allowing um people to um join the program at by the end of the week so you can go to unm and they probably have something on the website so this is something that sparks your interest um you have until the end of the week to get into this semester so um cool. i wanted to mention that before we move on um so next topic is going to be sales so it looks like the state has record sales and this one's going to be a short one too because i mean it's pretty pretty cut and dry we sold 48 million dollars in cannabis last month and um 13 million came from medical and what is it? 30 something came from 34 million came from adult use. Yeah. I'm so, hoping to see that medical number rise and rise as they, you know, kind of relax the restrictions around, you know, like I think anxiety and insomnia mm -hmm. are now, um, 
conditions you can get a medical card for in yeah. New Mexico. So hopefully we see that that number rise as more people start to to get their medical cards and you know stop paying taxes. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't purchases. Yeah, I don't get why people don't get their card. I'm like, dude, stop yeah, paying if, taxes. If you have insomnia yeah. or anxiety, stop paying the cannabis. Yeah, taxes. you guys hate the government so much. We'll stop paying them taxes, and they're allowing you to do it. Yeah. <laughs> You're legally allowed to not pay taxes on this, so do it. Um, and a lot of the times they will take medical insurance. You don't have to pay for it out of your pocket. And I got my card within 36 hours. People are telling me they're getting it within 12, 24 or less, you know, because wow. it's digital now. So they just, you know, they send yeah. you a file yeah. and that's it. So, I mean, it, it's really painless, guys. The 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 um, doctor visit isn't that bad. If you see that doctor the first time, the next time when you renew, you can just do it over the phone or over the video. Um, so, Wonderful. yeah, after a while, you don't even have to leave your house. Um, and I do remember the medical cannabis numbers being almost half of what adult use was. And it's yeah. kind of slowly down, going down. And I hope we do get it back up um, because I think we had about 180,000 patients last year when, the, when we started adult use. And now we're down to like, I think it's 80 or 70,000 or something like that. You know, it's dropped almost half. And I predicted it was going to drop about half or more. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I do feel that people in the state that are residents need to realize that they don't have to pay taxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, anxiety. Come on, we all have anxiety. Now, yeah, yeah right? everyone, my dog has anxiety. <laughs> it's 2023. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, they, they made it fairly easy to get your card. You know, I mean, we went from, I think, like eight qualifying conditions to now we have plus 20-something qualifying conditions. Yeah. And your doctor can actually umbrella things. So, meaning, that's why they added the anxiety thing because a lot of the people were – PTSD was the highest number of cases for our program. Okay. And I think the reason why is because they were putting anyone with anxiety or whatever under PTSD because they're allowed to do that. Kind of like any kind of cancer can go under cancer. Yeah. Um, so that is good because it, it shows us more demographics as well, you know, and who's using it, whatever. So I'm, I'm glad they did that. Um, but anyway, we're getting off topic again. again yeah. <laughs> so I really wanted to say this. Um, we actually increased our sales 18% from this time last year or August of last year. So our, wow. our sales have an increase of 18%, which is pretty good. Um, and this article I got it from, they had a lot of really good statistics, so I didn't have to do any math. <laughs> so the average that oh, we're spending is about $14.90 um, on the adult use side here in New Mexico, which okay. is about a gram or two. Um, and if you're somewhere crazy that's racing to the bottom, um, $15 for an eighth. I've seen that in some places selling $15 eighths. Well, that's alarming. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I'm like, I'm seeing it more and more. And I'm like, that's How are you not growing good. it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, God, what is it? I have questions. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. And I'm like, oh, my God, I hope I don't see that. Um, so 1490 is the average here in New Mexico, which we're only behind Massachusetts, which is ranked seventh. Um, and Oregon. So Massachusetts is at 1849, about 1850. And Oregon is 1783. And Oregon has a more mature industry than we do. So, yeah. I mean, that's telling us that, okay, it's not too different from what they have. And it looks like um, they just spend just a little bit more than we do. Um, so, New Mexico, with um, our 34 million adult sale use in August, um, accounted for 72% of the state's total um, retail market. So, wow. all of it, yeah, yeah, that's kind of huge. You know, all the retail that we have, we don't have that much retail, but that is like the most of the retail in the state. And it was really cool to see that because it gives you more of a perspective of how much we're actually making in this like don't get me wrong nothing near oil industry or any of that but this is yeah. a very profitable industry that we didn't have a couple of years ago you know and we're benefiting from it um it's not billions and trillions of dollars yet but it's an industry that is helping the state out and i mean i'm seeing more and more construction on the roads <laughs> so um what's your kind of thoughts on that so far um i mean i 
I like to see the sales grow more and more. And I think a lot of that, I mean, is the destigmatization of cannabis, especially cannabis over alcohol. Like we discussed earlier, more people are going to the dispensaries and, you know, uh, I, I would like to see some of the tax burdens lessen on the business a little bit, but I mean, yeah, even in Oklahoma, I, over the, first five years I was there, I really saw the tax revenue from cannabis help mm. the, the city, help the state. Yeah. Um, we can do a lot of good things for the community with the tax revenue from cannabis. 100%. And, you know, every every bit kind of counts and helps yeah. because I've had people from the oil industry is like, oh, they'll never be as profitable as the oil industry. I'm like, that's fine. That's not, not the point. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't what we were going for. That, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you really do have to make sure as a general populist that you are holding your leaders accountable for how that money is spent. Yeah. Hundred percent, you know, because if you don't, then you're gonna kind of lose. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna end up like Oklahoma. Yeah, uh, yeah. After a while, they stop paying attention. <laughs> yeah, you know, in Oklahoma's, you know, the, with their legal grows and everything that they have there, you know, just there's more more going on there than here. And here we have a um, a plant count limit, and I think that kind of yes. helped us a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And us having naturally less water um, is another another natural, yeah. you know, um, barrier to some people getting in and being way more oversaturated. Because Oklahoma was a um, a lesson learned. I guess I would say. Yeah. I mean, um, their biggest mistake was they made it too easy to operate in the illegal market because we did not have a seat to sale. Like when I got here, Biotrack was a thing from the recreational market from day one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was something that we had to contend with the reporting to the state. Um, and Oklahoma, the first like year or two, I mean, even still, they're in this whole horrible lawsuit with metric. Um, but yeah, yeah, the I first, remember, yeah. The first year or two, it was you sent a report to the OMMA and no, they didn't have the bandwidth to verify if that report was true or not. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That sounds like a mess. Yeah, the CCD really is doing a much better job than the OMMA did. Yeah, yeah. And I think they, they were given more powers than probably what Oklahoma was on their side because yeah. they're just medical, too. You know, yeah. um, if you guys didn't know, Oklahoma medical, is just medical. medical. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Medical, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where there are no qualifying conditions. Yeah, it is yeah. recreational with a permission slip <laughs> is what I call it. And, but yeah, I really, I met the new uh, head of the CCD and I was very impressed with New Mexico finding somebody who has actual industry experience. You wouldn't think that would be a novel idea yeah. um, <laughs> to head uh, the cannabis control division. But yeah, most states, the, the head of the you know, a CCD equivalent has zero industry experience. And I, my hopes from that is that they take what they saw in Colorado, where they came from and they apply what works and not what works for New Mexico. Cause certain things that work in other States just will never work here in New Mexico. And I hope that they realize that and don't try to do something that just doesn't work here. And it's bad for New Mexico. Cause that's, I've seen that many, many times uh, when they do that. And that's my only worry, but I am glad that it is someone with industry experience because yes. that's something that our industry lacks, um, especially much, yes. on the regulation part. <laughs> but I just hope, and good luck to you. Um, I hope that you know you do what's good for New Mexico and not something for another state, you know, because it yeah. just doesn't work here. <laughs> yeah, New Mexico is a very, a very different uh, experience. I thought, oh, I'm coming from Oklahoma. How different could it be? Very. <laughs> yeah, very. We're very clicky. We don't like outsiders, you know, and yeah. you know we have an interesting history. You know, we've been. Um, taken over a few times. We were Spain, we were Mexico, now we're America. So, you know, like we've been different things. And so it's for yeah. a reason. Um, but yeah, this is really good that the state is, you know, selling more and more cannabis. Obviously, as a lot of you know, a lot of our sales are coming from Texas, um, especially here in the borderland. Um, yeah. Most of our sales, uh, I think over half come from Texas in this area. 
um, down Yeah, that here. wouldn't surprise me. And I think Texas is going to be a long time coming before it's um, got its own program that's of any sort of use to its residents. So we'll yeah. probably continue to see that for quite a while. Yeah, even, even though they have a medical program, those patients still come over here to get the cannabis. So yeah, yeah. There, there's really, it's almost like it's nothing. You know, it's, it's just like a grant, uh, just a glorified CBD program is pretty much what that is. Yeah, and it is. It's sad. So hopefully they fix it one day. Um, so that's all I had for that one. I just wanted to update you guys on some numbers and some cool little statistics to kind of give you some um, visuals in your mind of, you know, really how much cannabis is being sold here in the state. Um, because it's quite a bit, you know, it's, it's not more than certain other states. Don't get me wrong. Um, us in Montana are actually doing very well. Um, I, I read an article saying that, you know, we're, we're, you know, behind, you know, these other bigger states, Massachusetts and Oregon and stuff like that. So that's good to see that, you know, Montana has less people than us. I think it's like 1.5 million or 1.1 million people there and they're killing it too. So who knows? They're probably getting neighbor cells too though. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on, this is something that I wanted to, to bring up today too. And it's something along your realm of the science. Um, so it looks like there's another research that prescribed medical cannabis um, use is tied to a better health and quality of life. And this goes down to not just feeling better, but also, you know, other tests and stuff too. So I'm sure that, you know, you speak to a lot of patients and you can attest to that as well, that, you know, it, it does help people. But this is a research paper that, you know, came out and I'm not sure if it came out today or this week, but it was really new. Yeah, you'll have to um, send me the actual paper. I'm yeah, I'll send you the paper on this. Um, I found it um, earlier today when I was doing my, I, I always make my script day of, if you guys don't <laughs> know, um, that way, just in case something pops up or something um, breaking happens, I can add it to the show. Um, but through the week, I usually have an idea where I want to go. But this kind of popped up today because um, she was uh, I was asking her, I was like, well, really, what, what do you want to talk about? And then she was talking about science stuff. I was like, that's a good thing. I haven't looked up research papers in a while. I'll see what's out there. And this is something that came up. So what this paper is saying that it might be a significant uh, clinically meaningful improvements, that's from the study, um, and overall health related to um, HRQOL. Do you happen to know what that means? I don't. Actually. I have no clue what that means. And I think that means health-related quality of life. They just abbreviated it. Um, and fatigue in patients with chronic health conditions during the first three months of prescribed medical cannabis use. Um, and I think they only studied for that long, so we'll figure out. So this happened in Sydney in Australia. So uh, good on you guys. You're doing some research. And I think their country is medical, the whole country. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's state by state like us. Um, and so they assessed it, and it's, they went off of pain, fatigue, sleep, anxiety, and depression. And actually, those are quite important because I feel like all of us kind of deal with some of that. In, yeah. In, in a, those, in they all kind of tend to go together too. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. So I'm glad that they did this. So they, um, they tested 237 participants and, um, they assessed them before therapy. And then at the two week tritation, which is, they're just upping their dosage. I had to look that word up. Um, and then they upped them their dosage again for the next three months. So every month it looks like they up the dosage to try to see, and they say they found across a whole court that, um, utility scores, um, and the European Organization for Research, I don't know why that's in there, I guess they were part of it, um, showed clinically meaningful improvements. Additionally, clinically, I keep saying clinically, um, <laughs> improvements in fatigue, um, reduction in pain with those in chronic pain. So that's good. And that's something that we've kind of known that cannabis does is yeah. helps with pain. But this is kind of like saying like, Fatigue well, is interesting, though. I mean, yeah. like, technically, if you have chronic pain, you're probably also tired yeah. because you're in pain all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, just fatigue and cannabis use aren't something that you usually would go together. Most people think cannabis use like, oh, it's just going to put you on the couch. It's not going to help fatigue. It's going yeah. to exacerbate that. Um, and then there's people like me who smoke a bowl out of my bong before I go to the gym every morning. Like, you know. Me too. Yeah, I don't, yeah I, don't, I don't blame you there. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm like, oh, I got to smoke before I do this. <laughs> so no, and 
that was surprising too because most people who you know use cannabis state the same thing like oh it makes me sleepier or you know this one in general makes me sleepy but people like us who are just like oh yeah i took a bowl to the head and i'm good to go for the day yeah let's uh, go run two miles <laughs> right exactly so but this is a really good study and um it continues a follow they're going to my tongue got tied so they're going to follow these patients for the next 12 months to determine whether the improvements are um like patient reported or if it's just permanent or whatever so they're going to have them go and tell them what's going on so yeah. that's good that's and, one of the difficult things about these cannabis studies though is it is really subjective mm -hmm. to the person and scientists tend to not like things that are subjective they want things that they can easily quantify yeah 100 <laughs> and you know when you have studies like this there's so many unknown variables yeah. that go into it too so take something like this with a grain of salt i don't know if this study has been peer uh, reviewed or not yet it probably hasn't um, since it just came out so we'll probably take some time for someone else to pick this up and to peer yeah. review it and retest it. and you know just because the study isn't peer reviewed doesn't mean that it's total bunk. No, uh, yeah. yeah but for you out there just to let you know that i don't know if this is peer reviewed or not just to you know put it out there and one thing i did want to say about this and i read in the article and i did want to mention this is that several of the authors disclose um, ties to the pharmaceutical industry so keep that in mind too um but it doesn't really go along the lines of what the pharmaceutical company would normally say when it comes to cannabis. Yeah. You know, normally it'd be like, oh, it's bad for you. Take a Percocet, you know, or, or something like that. So reefer madness. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's not going that route. But but anyway, that's actually all the topics I had. I had one more, um, but we're running out of time today. It's getting a little <laughs> long. I do want to uh, mention two events that are uh, coming up here in the state. I have one that's coming on this weekend. I will actually be there in Santa Fe. It's going to be the Green Fuego year anniversary celebration. That's going to be September 16th in Santa Fe at Green Fuego. Um, and then the next one is going to be next week in Albuquerque. It's going to be end of the summer heady sesh. So that one's going to be the end of the summer kind of fun session thing going on. Um, if you go, if I get you the flyer, see if you can go because I know you're up in Albuquerque. Yeah. So it should be a good time. Um, but anyway, anything that you have before we get out of here? No, I. this was fun. Thank you for having me on the show. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. And great conversations. I know we got off topic, but, you know, I feel like there are great topics. Yes, I yeah, agree. 100%. <laughs> All right, guys. I'll be back next week with another show, another guest, and some more topics. All right. <laughs>